Hi, I'm James Valentine. Welcome to Headroom, and this is a special one. I call this Heidi, some Contro, and the boy on the train. It's a thriller. But most thrillers reveal some flaw in our world. How could this crime have occurred? This thriller reveals a world that's working well, where people do the right thing, where our institutions respond as they should, where technology is a boon. And I think that's actually often the case, but we don't tell those stories often enough. So enjoy Heidi, some Contro and the boy on the train. This is how the world is. Okay, so this is Heidi, and Heidi has rung into my program after I said, tell me a good news story. I was lying in the bathtub having a glass of something um, relaxing. It's already sounding good, Heidi. (laughs) (laughs) You haven't met my children. The need is there. Now, we'll leave Heidi in the bath for a while, enjoying a glass of something relaxing, and meet Anna. Anna is the mother of William, and she's telling us what William's like. He is 21 uh, years old, and he has autism and a moderate to severe developmental delay. How that impacts him is that he's nonverbal with anybody who doesn't know him very well. They wouldn't understand his attempts to communicate. He also has some challenging behaviours. He suffers from sensory overload. He has scars on the backs of his hands and his arms because when he gets very upset, unfortunately, he bites himself, so he's self-injurious. Kind of like a three-year-old in terms of his capacity to be in the community. He's got limited traffic sense and no understanding of stranger danger. He would just go with anybody. If someone said, oh, William, do you want to go in the car? He would happily go with them. He doesn't have any understanding of money. So we're talking about a young man who is six foot four, so he looks quite threatening, but actually... He's entirely vulnerable. 21, six foot four, scarred and with the capacity of a three-year-old. Generally, he's at home, but sometimes he isn't. He does have a history of absconding. And of course, you can imagine when he was very small, it was easier to find him because a a young person wandering around on their own, you know, people realised that they were vulnerable and then they would call the police. Whereas now, you know, at six foot four... People see someone who's a bit strange and and actually they are unlikely to interact with William. William needs 24-7 care, so it does leave you on tender hooks the whole time. Somebody actually has to be watching him or know where he is all the time. An incredibly difficult situation. Constant care and supervision and a tendency, as Anna puts it, to abscond. So on this day, my husband David had taken him to the beach in the morning and they'd had a big swim He then went to visit uh, his mother, who lives near the northern beaches. And so by the time he came home, it was about two o'clock. And William went to his room to have a lie down. That's fairly typical because, as I mentioned, William suffers from sensory overload. So if he's been out in the community all morning, he would come and just chill out in his room, uh, have a bit of peace and quiet and... You know, he shut the door and that was fine. And David went and started doing all the lawns. And we always locked the doors, except on this day, because David was doing the, the, the lawns, he'd opened the garage door. So that was wide open. And also the passage from the garage to the house was also open. So David went into his room uh, to find that he wasn't there. 
So, my God, can you imagine <laughs> the shock that, you know, you, you think your child's in their room? And I know that William's 21, and perhaps, you know, by that stage you might feel that they've got a bit of independence, but he's, to us, he needs the level of care that a three-year-old needs. Mm. This is the same as finding that the toddler's not there. It's not the same as finding a 21-year-old's not there. No, that's right, no, no. So basically we've walked into our child's bedroom and he's not there. And he's and, gone. And we know that he can't look after himself. Like a lot of children with autism, there are interest areas that he thinks about constantly and one of those is trains and the other one is airports and planes. They would be, I think, quite common interest areas for children like or young adults like William. And so whilst he might just have wandered off, it's, it's not likely. It's more likely that he's laying there thinking, hmm, I feel like an adventure. I think I'll go to Taramara train station. So at the moment that you and David find he's not there, is there, is there a process for you with this now? Like, what, what do you swing into? Yeah, well, well, the adrenaline kind of kicks in and obviously the first thing you do, you frantically search your house and garden. He could be in somebody else's bedroom. He does have a habit of playing in the garden and, you know, might get behind the shed and that sort of thing. So it, it really doesn't take you very long. That, that sick feeling starts to sink in and you think, oh, God, he actually really isn't there. And, of course, on this day he, he wasn't there. So having done this a couple of times before, we then both grabbed our phones and jumped into our cars because you've got a choice. Do you phone the police immediately? The police tend to take a little bit of time to come to you or get back to you, and we know that that first sort of 20 minutes is crucial. If we can find him before he gets too far, that's the best chance we've got. Any parent who's lost their child for a moment on the beach or in a supermarket knows that ghastly feeling like the earth has disappeared. For Anna and David, it's something they've experienced often. Taramurra, by the way, is a suburb in the northern suburbs of Sydney. It's about 20 kilometres from the city. And if William can get on a train, well, he can go anywhere. He's done it before. Previous time that he went, which was probably around about you know, 18 months to two years prior, he had actually gone to Taramara Station. And on that occasion, he had actually made his way all the way to the airport. And this time? William actually made it to, I believe it was Central Station. And he is a bit daunting. So he does pace up and down and up and down. And of course, he's got these scars on his his arms. I'm not sure exactly what happened, but the police must have been called at some point in time and ended up needing sort of five or six police to hold him because once you grab him, he then is frightened. And then he is uh, goes into that fight and flight response and then will try and bite. Both of those situations were resolved. William came back home. But what a threat to have hanging over you every day and every time when he's not there. Anna and David search for William. They can't find him. They ring the police. The police come and Anna is organised there. She has William's details on a fact sheet. She prints it out and hands it to them. What happened after the police left was I was left at home feeling particularly anxious. You know, then I thought uh, I can call a couple of friends and let them know what's happened. And then I suddenly thought, well, maybe I could put William's photo on Facebook which is quite unusual for me. I could only post a few times a year. (laughs) So my friends were quite surprised when I resorted to Facebook. But uh, I think when you're desperate, 
you'll try anything. So I found a photo of him on the computer and I chose a group called the Giant Steps Parents Page. Now, Giant Steps is a community for children and young adults with autism. And I knew that they would be understanding and empathetic and a lot of them wouldn't know William. And so I thought, well, I'll start there. So I put his photo up and I put the words, uh, William's gone walkabout. <laughs> and then a little bit of information that, you know, William loves trains and he loves planes. And so if anybody knew anyone who worked in those environments, so please keep a lookout for him. Now, remember Heidi. She's in the bath with something relaxing. I looked up something on my phone and a Facebook post came through to say that a young man who is autistic and nonverbal had been missing for hours from up Paramara way. Now, we're down in Sutherland, so a long way away. Hmm. Can you please go and search for him? I thought, yeah, no, this is, this is too close to home. My son's autistic. So hmm. got out of the bath, told my husband to drive us up to the local station and waited for a few trains. And I said, come on, Liam, we'll go because we haven't found William. And Liam said, Mum, I can see one more train. She'd got out of the bath, put down the glass of something relaxing and organised the whole family, including her autistic son, Liam, to go on the search. Using social media has worked. Anna can't believe the response. I tell you what, it was absolutely overwhelming. (laughs) Within minutes, I cannot tell you, my phone started beeping, you know, people started sending messages, people started liking the post, uh, sharing the post. I, I could not have imagined that there would be such a response. And, you know, within minutes I had the Giant Steps parents and staff saying that they were going to, they were leaving their homes, they were going out to check the local station. Yeah, I was really, really moved. Yeah. So you'd be starting to get very, like, despite the fact that, you know, police are onto it, you've, you've managed to get the Giant Steps network and, you know, other, other things going, you, you must be incredibly worried. It's starting to get dark. Well, you're right. I was starting to get exceptionally worried, partly because... I knew that William hadn't eaten since lunchtime. So we're getting to five o'clock. You know, he's six foot four. He's got a good appetite. Uh, He's hungry. He'll be thirsty. He's got no concept of money. Mm. So if somebody had had some hot chips or somebody had, you know, something he wanted, he's likely to try and take it. Um, Or he was like to find a shop and just walk in and help himself just because he doesn't, like a three-year-old, he's got no understanding that there's a social convention that you, you have to have an exchange. So I was really worried about that. And yeah. I was also worried about the fact that he actually has medication to control his behaviour. Right. And his medication was due at 7 o'clock. Oh. Now we're getting close to 6 o'clock and it's getting dark. And yeah. I was thinking if we don't find him before it gets dark, then, you know, the chances of us finding him overnight are, are slim and the chances of us having an incident as well are, okay. are growing. But back in Sutherland, a good 40 kilometres or so away from Anna's house, there's one more train. Liam said, oh, Mum, I can see one more train. We'll wait. And so we waited for the one more train. And I looked as it went past. And, of course, William was on that train all the way from Taramara at the moment that we were there. One of the giant steps' mothers suddenly sent me a text message saying, he's been found. And I sent her a text message back saying, no, he hasn't. <laughs> and she said, yes, somebody's found him at Sutherland. 
And I said, well, you know, what, what's he doing at Sutherland? Like, I haven't heard that. Like, how do you know that? And she said, look, it's filtering back through Facebook. Got on the train, convinced him to get off the train, even though he's, he has almost no language, called the police, called Triple O, and they came and sat perimeter for us while his father drove for an hour and a half down from Tarabara to get him. They were perfect. They didn't get in our faces. I just sat and chatted with William, played with phones on him. My kids gave him things to play with on the phone. It was just the perfect confluence of the right people in the right place and asking for help from the police and them just being standing so that he wouldn't run on the tracks if he got upset, but just not getting in his face, not making him upset and just being the most perfect help to bring this kid home to his family safety with no fuss. Just, Hutton, can we help you? And it's like, don't leave. Just you between the tracks. I'll chat here. And they did it perfectly. And this kid got home. He'd been missing for hours. And my 16-year-old autistic son sitting there next to me helping out somebody who has the same diagnosis as him was just, it was just, I was really grateful to be useful. And the, when I said to the cops, can we bring our puppies down? And they're like, my sons are like, no, no, dogs aren't allowed on the trains. And the cops are like, yeah, don't worry, whatever. You know, nothing was too hard. Nothing was a difficult ask. Could anyone better have found William? Heidi understands all of the issues, knows exactly what to do. She knows what to tell the police, who, as she describes, do a perfect job of keeping them all safe. Finally, Anna gets the good news. I got sent the phone number and then, of course, I frantically phoned the number and this lovely lady on the other end said, Oh, hello, I'm Heidi and um, I think I have your son. (laughs) (laughs) So um, she said, Oh, look, I've given him a Sprite. I hope that's okay. What, is Heidi worried about sugary drinks all of a sudden? Anna, though relieved, was still worried about the situation. I was actually very concerned because... William doesn't like to be detained and if he doesn't know you, like he, he could start to get frightened. He might want to go and if she was there trying to hold him, I was worried that he might bite her because he doesn't have communication and so if he was frightened, that would be his, his, his response. So she assured me that I wasn't to worry at all, that she had some experience with autism and that she had called the police and that they had just arrived. So I spoke to the officer and I said, look, I am concerned about Heidi's welfare. She, if William was held against his will, that I was, I was worried about her. So he assured me that she was fine and William was fine. And then he put me back onto Heidi and Heidi said, and what strategies can I use to make William feel more comfortable? And I said, look, if you can give him a phone with a timer and set the timer to 60 minutes, and press start, he will sit there happily and watch the counter counting down from 60 minutes all the way down to when we can get there. Heidi had all the right instincts because of her son, Liam. Liam's autistic. He loved trains. And the idea of sitting on a train till it finishes is, is something that would have crossed his mind when he was younger. Not now, because <laughs> he's not like that anymore. Right. The idea that, I mean, there were people posting all over Facebook. They were looking for William from one end of New South Wales to the other because they knew he'd been on trains for hours. Oh, yeah, so you just thought, so they knew he'd been on trains, but, and you just thought, well, I'll cover my patch. I'll cover my patch. And the end of my patch goes to, you know, Helensburg and Heathcote. If he'd gotten off there, he'd be dead. Yeah, right. It was dark. It was cold. Yeah. He doesn't speak. He's got no language. He's, you know, six foot two. Huh. In a temper, if he misunderstood what you were trying to tell tell him, his response would have been aggression, but Mm. you managed to just keep him very, very happy. Mm. And he didn't end up wandering through the the bush in somewhere Mm. where he'd be lost and, and wouldn't have survived.
and Liam knew what to do as well. My son, who doesn't like people touching his phone, handed over his phone to this child who was sitting there and he'd been doing things with his nose that I won't mention on radio, but he'd been, and he put those all over my son's phone mm. and my son just stood there and wore it. And I was so proud of my kids <laughs> and so proud of the cops and this little man who sat there going, you know, basically show me something else on the phone. And my kids are dialing up things to show him on the phone. It was Facebook one, patience and just a chance to go, hang on. I'm in the bathtub. I will never forgive myself if I don't go out. Heidi, you could have stayed in the bathtub with a glass of something pleasant, but no, up you got. And what an amazing tale. Have you had any contact with the with the, the parents since? Well, it was a glass of Contro, and the parents were from Taramara, so Taramara to sit to Sutherland. It's a long drive, but I got home from work um, that weekend and there was a bottle of Contro on my doorstep. Stop making this story better, Heidi. <laughs> Wow. That is my live radio astonishment at the end there. As I heard this story first from Heidi, I heard the rescue story. It was only later that we learned what this day had been like for Anna, David and William. Although William's view of the day was very different from his parents. William was absolutely ecstatic. He was so happy. (laughs) (laughs) He'd had a great day. Also, I have this lovely photo of him beaming from ear to ear he had had the adventure of a lifetime. He had absolutely no understanding that he had caused his poor mother <laughs> to turn grey overnight. Yep. <laughs> so William is home and the parents are incredibly grateful to Heidi, but they still haven't met. We did have a couple of SMSs, yes, backwards and forwards, and I, I honestly I could not thank her enough. I, I understood that she was actually drinking a Quantro in the bath, and so I dropped over a bottle of Quantro to her what I thought was her house, but actually I still don't know to this day whether I've dropped the Quantro to the right house. <laughs> so that, that was our sort of thanks to her for uh, going above and beyond the call of duty. I got to tell her the good news. You did drop it to the right house. Good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is a relief. Okay, because uh, there was nobody home at the time, so we literally just left it on the porch. So you see what I mean? We're always talking about how social media is ruining our world. How might this day have gone without it? We're always talking about problems with the police and others in authority. What a great job they did. And here, around a centre for autistic children and parents called Giant Steps, is a whole community galvanised into action to help and do what they can. This is just one story that shows the world working well. I think we need a whole lot more. Hope you've enjoyed this podcast, made by me, by radio producer Jen Fleming, by technical producer Matt Hyland, and of course, thanks to Anna, Heidi, David and William.